to another episode of And Then It Hit Me. I'm your host, Lindsay Sprout, and this week I'm interviewing Laura Norfeld. Laura is a caregiver to her husband, who nine years ago was in a motorcycle accident. This left him with many broken bones on the right side of his body and a very serious traumatic brain injury. Before the accident, they were a couple who worked hard but played even harder, enjoying adventure and a lot of travel. After the accident, the biggest challenge was adjusting to their new way of life. In the podcast, Laura touches base on the biggest challenges of being a caregiver, the importance of self-care, and how to cope with a loved one experiencing a life-changing accident. I learned so much from interviewing Laura. We had an instant connection, and I felt like she is a friend that I've had for years. We got to talk and relate on so many different levels. She's so well-educated on everything brain injury, and she selflessly and lovingly takes care of her husband. I was truly inspired by her, and I think you guys will be too. Take a listen to her awesome interview. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for doing this with me. You're welcome. I'm, I'm excited. I'm sorry. It's been such a hassle trying to get this lined up. Don't worry about it. I understand. Okay. Yeah, I'll bet you do. <laughs> You've got a little baby, huh? A tiny one? I do. He's three and a half months old. So it's been getting in a routine with that's been hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Congratulations. That's Thank great. you. Thanks. Yeah, it's exciting. It is. It's just hard. Can't show him off with all this COVID stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. And you probably don't want him around anybody either. So I know. That's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't even think about that. I mean, it's hard on everybody, but that would be really tough not to go. Yeah. Everybody and show him your baby. I know. Sure. I know. My friends keep saying, well, we'll see him when he's five. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like right now, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. Being a caregiver is a very important part of a person's recovery, and we don't always get to hear that perspective. Can you tell me Greg's uh, accident or trauma and what it was like to be a caregiver for him. Greg was involved in a motorcycle accident almost nine years ago. Um, we were on a motorcycle ride with some friends going up to Northern Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and he okay. was not feeling well and he passed out on his bike in front of me. So I was on my bike behind him and then we had a friend behind us and um, he slowed down. I could tell that something was going on and he had slowed down and luckily it was raining so he had his he had a brand new helmet, very, really nice helmet. He had all of his gear on, his leather jacket, all of his um, heavy duty gear. And, but he, he, he slowed down to about 30 miles an hour and his, I just saw his head tip and he passed out, went over to the side of the road and down in the um, pit down there was, it's lava rock in Northern Idaho. It's just lava rock everywhere. So he, he hit that and oh kind of did 180 God. on his bike, flipped over um, his bike landed on top of him. And um, by the time I could get my bike stopped and our friend behind us got his bike stopped and we got to him. He was unconscious, of course. Um, I'm an, wow. I am an EMT. And so luckily some of those skills came back to me instead of me yeah. panicking, which I normally do. Um, he started to vomit because he was in shock and because of the head injury and we tipped him on his side so he wouldn't aspirate. And my friend, we couldn't get a cell site there. We were kind of down in a lull of the valley. And so he had to go up to the top of the hill, rode his motorcycle up there to get a cell site and called 911. Wow. And in the meantime, um, I got him covered up because he was, he was in shock. And I, a couple people stopped. They could see us there. And luckily we had a nurse stop. And then I think after a little while, if I recall, it was a doctor stop to help us too. But anyway, it was about 30 minutes, 45 minutes until, which seemed like an eternity until the ambulance got there. And they got him in the got him in the ambulance, and they were trying to, um, you know, assess him and actually put him on a ventilator. And um, so he woke up while they were doing that, and I heard him screaming and yelling. And, but he was saying all kinds of things that didn't make sense. So I knew that he wasn't really in his right place. But after a while, the helicopter came. I rode with him into Coeur d'Alene, and um, being such a small town, Coeur is a very small town, but it's a resort okay. town. So I, and we had just built a big, beautiful, huge hospital here. And I, we got in there and I said to the, the, you know, doctors and stuff, I said, I need to take him to Salt Lake. I need to fly him to Salt Lake. Yeah. And the doctor, the neuro doc, they'd called him. So he was waiting. Um, and he said, he won't make it. 
he won't even oh. make it to Seattle. They would normally send him to Seattle. Okay. He said he won't even live long enough. So we got him there. I, oh it, my God. It ended up being a, a really odd in, in my mind because I'm thinking I'm in a small town and we're probably going to be in trouble as far as facilities go. But because it's a, a resort town, people love to live there. Gotcha. So people that are affluent love to live there and live on the lake. And we got a neuro doc that was as world-class as any doc. He used to work at the Mayo Clinic. He was amazing. And he took care of him, did scans all night long to see if they had to drill into his head. But he, he ended up being in a coma for about a week. And then he came out of it. He doesn't remember any of this, but he came yeah. out of it and was out for another week. And then um, I had a friend that flew up in a private plane. We picked him up, flew him back down here and put him in the hospital here. So in all, he was in the hospital for about a week. He, wow. had to, he broke lots of bones down the right side of his body. Okay. Um, had a terrible traumatic brain injury. He had to learn how to read, write, walk, talk, eat, everything again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, his personality, he's, he's a driven person. He's very driven. And so his personality is that he just, even though he really didn't have his wits about him yet, he doesn't yeah. remember people visiting or remember. He loved that feeling of looking at that board up in your room where it tells you, <laughs> you've got this appointment, you're going to this therapy, this therapy, and, and having the doctors say to him, the therapist say to him, Greg, you did a good job. He always wanted Aww. to he said, it made me feel like I was a little boy again. And my parents were saying, <laughs> and so every day he would strive to hear that. Oh, you did such a good job. You're doing so good. That's and, amazing. Um, so after about a month, he came home and it was, it was tough. We have stairs and we, he had to learn how to lobster crawl up the stairs and he'd broken his hand. They didn't figure out till later. So it was just, it was, you know, plus his leg was just shattered his knee. And um, so he had, a, he had a tough time, but we, I feel extremely fortunate that he, most people don't recover to the point of either getting their job back or getting, you know, sometimes not even jobs that are, you no. know, menial type jobs. Yeah. He was a, a senior vice president at a bank. Oh, wow. Actually started going back to work a couple of days a week for a few hours, about four or five months out. Wow. That's and worked crazy. up to full time and um, good and for him. And he, he got to about 85% of his, what he normally was. Whoa. Having said that, his personality completely changed. Did it really? Because yes. of the area of the brain that the brain injury mm-hmm. was? Mm-hmm. He, he injured the, he had a coup contra coup. So he, he okay. hit inside with his helmet on, it hit back and went like that, you know, at one side goes back to the other. He, he injured the left side of his brain. He's very, being a banker, he's a very left brain numbers kind of guy. Yeah. And um, so he was, he was very creative, you know, he kind of came out of it. He was like, he wanted me to help me decorate the house. And <laughs> and let's oh. move this over here and I'm like who are you <laughs> this isn't normal this is yeah this is my area you you stick to your area but it, but it's kind of who he was and you know we worked with some people after not too not too long after maybe not even a year after we started talking in caregiver groups together as a couple trying to offer hope and that kind of thing and we saw lots of people that were um, survivors that were very angry I violent yeah um you know, there's lots of different scenarios and um, mm-hmm. real, a lot of trouble with aphasia and, you know, things like that. And I just, I feel, even though Greg had to learn to read again, he couldn't, he'd look to the newspaper and he, he didn't, couldn't understand what it said, but he, and he'd, he'd uh, preserverate, he'd say things over and over again. Okay. First, but um, you know, a couple, three months out, he didn't do that. He'd, he'd have to think about some words, mm-hmm. but he really recovered at a very high level from where he came from yeah I, I kind of after we got through the first or second night I kind of thought well he's not going to die so we had we I figured once once we got that handled I just thought he'll he'll recover he'll do I, I never gave up I never even Aww. said to myself he's going to be you know he's not going to be able to go to work we're going to have to go on disability we're going to lose our house I never even went there just I stay just, positive mm-hmm. I don't I think it was just a gift I didn't do it uh it made myself do it. I didn't think about doing it it was just my natural we're going to, we're going to fix it. We're going to work this out, honey. Everything's going to be okay. That's amazing. So, you know, we were really lucky. Um, the last couple of years, uh, he has gone downhill. Oh, he has no. horrific headaches, bone crushing headaches. He can't function. He's on oxycodone most of the oh. time. Um, he's having stomach issues. Oh, no. He, um, he's very fatigued. He could sleep all day. And all night. Um, so he is on disability now. Yeah. And he's not, of course, doing any more public speaking. He wrote a book and he's, and, uh, but and he used to take that and speak 
go out and speak. So he's not able to wow. do that anymore. I'm not really sure why. The doctors can't figure out why. That you know, it's I, gotten worse. Mm -hmm. Most people, most people that, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't see, but I've been working with caregivers and survivors for so many years. You usually see they go here and if they work and work and work and work, it goes up. They get better and better and better. Yeah. And his went clear up here. And then it's just, just the last two years, it's just tanked. Oh. Last time he publicly spoke was, um, it'll be two years in October. Really? Yeah. In Las Vegas. And, and we, and he, wow. I tr we've tried to travel. That's been difficult. The last trip I took him on was in February to Hawaii. And the, he was so fatigued from just the anxiety of flying. And, yeah. you know, I took care of all the details. I took care of everything, but it's just, so he had, it took him a whole day to recover once we got to Hawaii and a whole day to recover. When oh no. And now I don't think I could take him on a trip. It's too much. It's too much. Oh, too. that's too bad. Yeah. So we're, but I'm not giving up. I have an appointment no. with a um, naturopath doctor. Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, Western medicine's not really offered us a whole lot of hope. So I'm going to try another route and see, you know, I've, I've always got, and he's doing a hyperbaric chamber study um, for brain injury. It's been on halt since March because of COVID, but he, um, he, we live near a hospital and he would just walk over there every day and do hyperbaric okay. chamber an hour, five days a week. And um, we don't know if he's getting a placebo or if it's the real thing, but Hopefully, if it he he even says if it doesn't help me, hopefully it'll help someone else down the road. Uh, have you heard of any, about the pawns treatment? No. So okay. I I discovered this when I went to the Ontario Brain Injury Conference in November last year, and mm -hmm. I actually met with the guy. So I have the contact information if you want it. I would love it. But it's supposed to um, it has something to do with the, the neurons in your brain. And it's this like machine you put on your head and they make you walk and they make you do things. And I've watched videos. You can watch it online too, videos of things. And it shows people um, after, I guess, a month or so of wearing it and just how their walking has progressed and their speaking has progressed. Okay. Yeah, it's really, really cool. They wanted, they uh, were saying to me that I should try it, which I haven't got to do it yet, but I'm, it's on my list to do. Yeah. No kidding. Yes, I will definitely look into that. Thank you. This yeah. is why I like talking to people. Yes, you know, connecting. <laughs> that are, yes, the connections that you get when you're talking to people that are passionate about this. Yes, for sure. Brain injury. Yeah, that's could, great. Could you tell us what your life was like before the trauma? Yes, before the trauma, we, um, we, we both worked full time. We okay. worked really hard, but oh. we played really hard. <laughs> Love it's it. A, it's a second marriage for us both. We have okay. six children between us and now we have 18 grandchildren. Wow. But we, um, once we got the kids raised and out of the house and on their own and graduated from college, we just, we love to travel. We love to, um, we had a boat, so we would go down okay. and we kept it on a lake and we put down and go on our boat all the time. Of course, our motorcycling, we had lots of motorcycle friends. <laughs> we motorcycle a lot. We golfed, we skied, we, um, um, Oh my gosh, the list. I mean, it just I'm trying sounds to like you did it all. We really, I mean, we just really were real daredevils, you know, we'd go cliff, <laughs> cliff diving and stuff down in the lakes and we just, anything that was an adventure, Greg was a thrill seeker, a risk, a real risk taker. And he's always been that way. And so we just, and I'm, I'm game for it. I've always kind of been a tomboy. So I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so we've awesome. traveled um, around South America. We've traveled in Europe. Um, we've traveled around the United States. We have a condo in Mexico that we go to a lot. Wow. Life was just really full and fun. Yeah. So that put a big halt on everything, I guess, eh? Well, yes, especially anything that was a little risky. Yeah. So, of course, you know, I sold my motorcycle. His was totaled. Um, we still did some cycling, road bike cycling and races the M for the MS-150 and things like that. But he wow. he was very careful. He went a lot slower. We don't we did that for a couple of years, but he does, we don't do that anymore. We don't do anything that would involve any kind of risk or him getting, this was his third brain injury. So oh. um, he, they told him the next one, he, he, he wouldn't make it through another one. So we're, you know, we're, we were very careful about what we still traveled and, and um, you know, we just have fun no matter what we did. We'd, yeah. go, we'd say, let's jump in the car and go, you know. Yeah. Go just got to just yeah. gotta know your limits. That's what they yeah. keep drilling into me. <laughs> Right. It's, that's exactly right. No, you're, which is tough to put a governor on yourself when you're used to being, you know, a person who's so driven, but, um, yeah. 
just, you know, depends how you want to live your life. And if you want, exactly. You know, you, you've probably heard that if you have one brain injury, you're eight times more likely to have another one. And then three times more likely to have the third. Yes. Well, yeah. another thing at that uh, conference I was just talking about, I went to one of the courses cause they have courses throughout the day too, that you can attend. Nice. And it was showing the spectrum of brain injuries, which I found so fascinating because before my injuries, I had like, I had heard of concussions, obviously, and everything was a concussion, concussion, whatever. But now it's not just strictly concussions anymore. Mm -mm. There's a whole it's, spectrum of everything. Oh, there's, it's there's crazy. So many things. In fact, yeah. that's kind of been one of my my passions is, is awareness to yes. the public because brain injury hasn't been or still isn't really a sexy disease. It's not heart disease. It's not cancer. It's really hard to raise funds for. But you really, if you stop and think about all the things that cause a brain injury, like you said, concussion or anoxia, yeah. um, you know, oxygen deprivation, a tumor, um, MS, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's strokes, strokes, a huge one. Most of the people in my caregiver group were taking care of a stroke person. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's so many things um, that if, if people understood it, you probably couldn't throw a rock without hitting somebody that has a brain injury or has had a For brain sure. injury. For sure. Yeah. And they say, you know, 70% of people that are incarcerated have brain injuries and they think they're violent or they're mean, but they just have a brain injury. They don't know how to make good decisions because of their brain injury. So, you know, and same with homeless, 60, 70%, 80% of people on the street have a brain injury. I believe it. I, yeah, I saw that statistic the other it's day terrifying. too, and it blew me away. Yeah. yeah. It's so sad. It needs to be more educated because it's an invisible disability that nobody really understands. No, it's, I mean, to, I look at you, I would never know. Yes. And that's, never, you would, it's so invisible. So people just think, well, no, you're fine. Or after Greg's starting getting a little better. Oh, he's fine. Yeah. They quit calling you. Do you need anything? Because, oh, he's fine. He's doing great. He's doing, he's fine. Yeah. Well, he's I even have, I have the handicap pass in my car too. And mm -hmm. that, that, like time and time again, it just shocks me. The looks that I get from people. Oh, they probably think you're, yeah. Yeah. It's, and I've a few times I've had to pull up my pants and been like, look at this scar. Do you want me to tell you the story? Cause I will. <laughs> yeah. In fact, oh, I, I don't know how you keep from not doing it if you get a dirty look, but I'm glad that you have that. And, and you, you need to be proactive about that. Yes. Really. And in fact, better that they do ask you because look, think what they would learn. Awareness. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Could you describe to us what the biggest challenge of being a caregiver is? I think my biggest challenge is having to change our lives from what they were to what they are now. And just like I said, in the last couple of years, um, very sedentary. Um, yes. Greg doesn't you know, he doesn't feel good enough to travel. He doesn't feel good. He doesn't feel good enough to do a lot of things anymore. So that's been the biggest change for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I think if he was still functioning at a higher level and had some deficits, it would be um, easier than he really, he's cognitively, he's fine. He's great. He just doesn't feel good. And that's, it's hard to plan. It's hard to yeah, um, like I said, we have six kids and grandkids, and we're used to having them over here a lot. Uh, um, Sunday dinners, having the grandkids play, having that. Well, he can't take the noise and the confusion, which you probably understand that it gets yeah. really noisy. And um, and it, quite a while ago, he got so he couldn't tolerate that anymore. So I go to their houses. A lot of times, he doesn't even he, he won't even come anymore because it's just uh, it's too much. He can't handle it. Um. So that's been the biggest change. You know, I thought we would kind of go down the road and, and keep doing the things that we were used to doing. And so that's, okay, you know, and it's fine. It's just learning how to make concessions and work around it. And, you know, yeah, yeah. And keep and make sure he's happy and comfortable and has yes. his needs are being met, you know. Is there compensation in the U.S. for being a full-time caregiver? No, but you know what? I was thinking about that the other day. I think I read something about um about that and i was going to check into it again do they do they have that in canada yeah really yeah if you're a caregiver you get a tax credit or something like that i believe as well as when i was first um recovering in the hospital 
the insurance was going to start paying my mom out as if she was my like regular PSW. So she would, she would get paid a wage, but I told her, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to put any of my family members through that because I felt bad enough as is. I know, I know. So I got a PSW. They hired somebody for me. No kidding. Because I thought it would be too much for my parents. Oh, gosh. That's, well, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I could have um, worked out having people come into the house, but we, we did okay. I own my own business. Um, okay. And I had people working for me so I could come in. I could get him set up for the day, you know, bathed. When, this was when he couldn't walk and he had a walker and everything and, and fed. And then, like, put him on the couch so he's laying down, you know, for a nap or whatever. And then leave. And my then office is close by and I could leave and then come back. Now my office is in my house. I'm still working. Um, so I'm here all the time. I, you know, I can take care of whatever he needs, um, you know, full time. Busy, busy, busy. It sounds like, man. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But I function better that way. You know, I like good on you busy. <laughs> and helping, you know, I want to be yeah. helping, not just him, but I want to be, I want to help other people. So Aww. that are going through this. Well, this kind of only you understand how much yes. people need. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand the caregiver side as well. I mean, my, my family tries to tell me, and they, they'll tell me memories because I had no memories of anything. So they'd be like, oh, you did this or you did this. or they're showing me pictures. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's you know, scary. <laughs> that's one of the hardest things. That was one of the hardest things about Greg's recovery for me. I had PTSD. Horrible. I bet. Horrible. I mean, I had a huge meltdown at the hospital up in Idaho. And, um, and when I came home and it, it was and just replaying that over and over in my mind. And when we got home, finally got him home from the hospital and he started um, getting some of his thoughts back and his memories back. And he would say, now what happened to me again? Because he'd be, you know, he's in a, he's got his, he's all wrapped up, his hands all, you know, he's got all, all this stuff. And he said, now tell me what happened. So I tell him, well, how did that happen? And so, and, but it was so traumatic for me to keep telling him. Aww. I mean, I would just start crying. I just, <laughs> okay, here's what happened. But and it got so bad. So I started writing these yellow sticky notes and I'd stick them, I'd stick them around the kitchen. I'd stick them around places so he could relook at it and go, oh, that's right. I was in a motorcycle accident. I was up in Idaho for two weeks and then I was in the hospital here for all these things. So he wouldn't keep asking me because it's, it's not like I was getting bugged with him. I was just so traumatized by it. Yeah. Um, by go, reliving this. And he, he wanted no details. Uh, well, you know, see, I, I wanted to know that too. Which I understand. I totally, I would too. I would want to know. But if someone is with you and sees it, it's, uh, it's, too hard. it's horrific to go over that again and again and again. Finally, you know, I get, I finally, and he, I went there to a couple of therapists and it didn't really help. And the thing that helped me was starting my caregiver group and being with other people. And it just worked itself out over the years of talking with people about it and talking with them about their situation. So those are some of the hard things for me. Okay. Then how about what's the biggest reward? You said helping people. Is that what drives you? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thinking that maybe somebody else could be, I came out of there. I don't know about your family, but I came home from the hospital and I guess they gave me a portfolio or something, but really I, mentally I had no tools. Yes. I I had no tools. Start from scratch. I was scared to death. I didn't even want him to release him from the hospital. I thought, I don't, I don't know what to do at home. I don't know what to do with him. And so I think, I think trying to help people, even at the point where they're still in the hospital, we would have them walk. We, we met in the hospital on a conference room, come over, you know, walk down from here, find out what you're, let's talk about what you're going through, you know, what resources you have, what kind of um, support you have. I think trying to help people understand that there, that there is a way to do it. Not just a, no, I don't mean a correct way. I just mean an easier way than mm-hmm. trying to fight your way through, well, do I need to see this kind of doctor? Do I need to see that kind of doctor? What? Because you walk out of there not knowing a thing. Yeah, there's no how-to-do book, no. unfortunately. No, I had no tools. I I was clueless. Mm-hmm. I was clueless. I mean, to the point where he, you know, he, he passed out. That's why, well, he got home and he started passing out again. Because his stomach, you know, his stomach issues still weren't right. And I, I'm trying to get him into my car to take him to the hospital. It's just, you know, if I just, if you just understood really what was going on, I think they, I think I wish that doctors could be a little more thorough and lay out a plan for you. Yes. And, um, 
and some help along the way and immediately put you in touch with somebody who has been through this and can help guide you. Yeah. Like just like, or just like someone who helps you with your insurance, mm-hmm. but someone who helps the family do the caregiving aspect. Yes. That would be brilliant to me to, you know, to have that. So we're, we're trying to do that with our brainstorm site. That's one of my goals too, is that if I can go into hospitals, if after people have been in such traumatic accidents, go and give some sort of support and relief and say, this is kind of what I did. This is how I suggest that you would do it too. Because mm-hmm. I know that there's definitely a need the more I talk to people. Oh yeah. There's a tremendous need. Yeah. Right. Families are lost. They're already traumatized. They're yeah. in trauma. It's a, tr- your body's in trauma, but they are in mental and emotional trauma. And this group that I did, it was just a caregiver group for brain injury. But at first it was TBI. And I, and people would say, well, it's not just TBI. There's stroke people in here. And I, and I said, well, even a stroke is very traumatic. <laughs> you know, I said, yeah. So, but it, it was for both, you know, acquired brain injury and traumatic, but really any kind of, of a brain injury is traumatic. I don't it care is. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. For you, for the survivor and for the caregiver. Definitely. Definitely. So you um, are, I read on the website that you have, you got an award for being the caregiver of the year for 2019. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was, it was awesome. I have, I have to read the quote here. I wrote it down. Laura is a brain injury Alliance of Utah board member and TBI caregiver. She started Utah's first brain injury caregiver support group. She worked to ensure that her trials and tribulations can help others and bring them comfort. I just love that. That's Thank awesome. You. <laughs> Thank you. It, it was, you know, you, I, you've probably heard the saying that if you, um, sometimes when survivors get stuck and they get in this, um, either which they're entitled to have a pity party and feel sorry for themselves or go into denial, you know, whatever it is the best thing you can do is serve others to get out of it. Yes. And, you know, for me, even dwelling on my, I can't believe this just happened to us. I can't believe we had Mm -hmm. this perfect life and everything was going to be so great. We had a blended family. So we had to raise all these kids and get, you know, and that was tough enough. And we finally get all the kids raised and I'm thinking, we've got to have this perfect life. Everything's going to be so great. And then it just something like that shattered. It hits you. (laughs) And yeah. And, and really the thing that, that got me out of it the best was to, to serve others, to contact these people, help them, let them know, Aww. contact doctors at all the hospitals, let them know we have a caregiver group. We're here to take care of them. We're here to lift them up. We're here to support them. If they don't have a support group, or even if they do, their support, their support people sometimes don't understand. So, you know, come talk with us. We've walked in your shoes and we get it. And that, I think that helped me. That's what got really got me out of my Aww. PTSD. So, yeah. That's amazing. I said, we definitely do not give caregivers the full amount of credit that you guys deserve. That is for sure. No, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story about that. Um, Greg was going to, he's, my husband has always been, he's very supportive, loving man. And I lucked out that he didn't have any anger issues. He came out of it more sweet, more kind, actually, but more emotional, you know, and cries a lot and that kind of thing. But he one day got mad at me his best four months out and he, and I've been, you know, just focused on him doing everything. And my friend came into town and he said, there's an art show. Let's go take a look. We Let's go look at it for a minute. It was a friend of ours that was involved in the art show. So we all got in the car. Greg said he wanted to go. We got him in the car, which is no easy task and <laughs> at this point. And we went for a little ride, which really felt good to him. And he said, I think, you know, I'm about ready to go home. I said, okay, we're just going to stop here for a minute. And I went in. Um, to see my friend and just tell her congratulations, you know, for her, what she had in the art show, came back out to the car and he was so angry with me. I just want to go home. I just, I told you I wanted to go home. I told you I didn't want to be home, which is so unlike him, but I knew it was his brain. You know, I knew it was the brain injury, but he was mad. So we got into kind of a fight over it and he stomped out of the house. (laughs) We've got our deck and there's a couple steps and he's going down the steps with his walker, gets his keys and he thinks he's going to go drive. Well, he doesn't have a license at this point. But he goes out and sits in his, turns on his car and just sits there because it makes him feel good that it's his car and he can turn it on if he wants. Oh. Mind you, I wasn't laughing at the time. I was angry. So we get up the next day. I drove him to his um, speech therapist. Now she, and she's an amazing woman. And sometimes they, they do more than just speech therapy, but she, yeah. she's, been a, she's an amazing friend to us now. But he, <laughs> she said, how's your week been? And he told her what happened. She said, Greg, 
stand up, get your walker and stand up, stood up. He said, she says, you scoot on out there. He said, she had his lawyer waiting out there for you in the car. Yep. You go out there and tell her how sorry you are. You Aww. apologize to her and thank her for every single thing she does for you. Yeah. And he came, <laughs> here he comes, <laughs> crying, sobbing, tears running down his face. And he's just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, you know, and it's, we've never had another issue ever. And I know it was because of his Aww. brain injury. I wasn't yeah. going to hold it against him, but I just thought how nice to have an actual therapist and someone in the medical system support a caregiver. Yes. And so we, t we, t they, they try and tell the survivors a lot, be sure and tell your caregivers how amazing they are. Yeah. Be sure and tell them what a great thing they're doing because they don't hear it a lot. They need, they need a some pat on the back. We don't need Definitely. money. We don't need gifts. It's just so nice to hear. And he says it to me, you know, every time, every time I cook anything, thank you so much. This tastes so good. You're the best Aww. cook. Thank you. Thank you. If, and if I want to leave, you be careful. I love you. Be careful. I'll see you in a little, I mean, he's very supportive. So yeah, I, it, anyway, that was a good story. And it was a funny story. Very I relate to all my caregivers all the time because they need to know. And I would tell them all the time how great they are. That's amazing. And needs to be heard. That is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do you do as a caregiver to help your own mental health, I guess, and to make sure that you're, you're okay yourself? Right. Huge. It's a huge, um, I think, problem with caregivers. And it's a uh, burnout. You don't want people that. Don't, well, burnout's ter terrible. But the thing that's hard about it is people feel selfish if they do anything. Yes. If I they go do something that. for themselves, if they go leave and go have a massage, if they leave and go out with the girls for lunch, they're, they feel selfish and they want to hurry and get back. It's absolutely the wrong way to look at it. You have to take care of yourself. You have to. Yes. So cliche, you can't take care of your mask on else. first and then you put theirs on. And if you don't take care of yourself, you will burn out and, it, and, and you'll both, you know, go downhill. So I, um, I kept, you know, I kept working. I kept my job and Greg for a long time was great. And there wasn't really a lot that I had to do now. Um, I take painting classes. I play pickleball. I don't know if you know what pickleball is. No. It's, it's like a cross between tennis and um, kind of like table tennis. It's a short tennis court. Okay. With a paddle and a ball. And it's the funnest game. I was never that great at tennis. So this is, I'm telling you, this is my game. So I'm learning how to play <laughs> pickleball with a bunch of women. I belong awesome. to a women's group and we go out before COVID. We would go to movies. We'd go Aww. out to eat. We'd go, you know, have me for a glass of wine, whatever. Um, I have a bunch of friends that we do like a girl's night out and we play cards and have dinner and we do that every Thursday. That's great. So, and I play pickleball like five days a week and I do painting. Uh, my painting classes, we, I used to go to them, but now they're online, but yeah. we're all there zooming together and painting together. And I think these things are so essential because they Definitely. fill me up. I get, I get, when I come back from playing or, you know, being out or painting or whatever I'm doing, and I'm just like, I've, I'm reinvigorated and I feel it keeps I'm, I'm a happy person anyway, but it just makes sure that I don't slip into that depressive, poor me state, you know? Yes. You seem super sweet. He is so lucky. Oh, he's the sweetest man. He, honestly, he is the sweetest, most loving, kindest man. It's so, it's easy. To, I mean, it makes wow. me sad. I'm very sad about it. Don't get me wrong. But um, I can't imagine what it would be like to take care of a survivor if they were angry. Mm -hmm. and mean and violent which, you know I see a lot and um so I'm so I, I feel so blessed to be with someone of his personality and ah. that being said what do you think are three things that someone needs to do to support a survivor I wrote this down let me see um to support a survivor reinforce your love for them let them uh -huh. know tell Tell them that, that you're proud of them. You're, you're proud of the steps that they're taking, the, the, the progress that they're making, even if they just go out and walk up and down the street or around the block. I'm be so proud cheerleader. of you. Know. Yes, be, be their biggest cheerleader. Yes. Which is, you know, hopefully someone's doing that for you as a caregiver, yep. but as a survivor, they really need that. Um, let them, for sure, let them know they're not a burden. Let them know that you love them, that you, that you are happy to do this for them. This is what you, this is what you, uh, in, in the case of a spouse, this is what we said, our, you know, our vows, you know, I'll take care of you. You'll take care of me. And I love that. And he, he, he'll never be a burden to me. And I think another thing is to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. 
because if you the more education you have and the more understanding you have about what you're dealing with the better you'll you'll be with it and the and the better caregiver you'll be with that survivor you can help them better if you educate yourself and that can be reading articles that can be online that can be going to caregiver groups which to me is almost imperative i just don't know why anybody wouldn't do that yeah. um you know reading things reading books any way that you can educate yourself talk to your doctors talk to medical professionals talk to people who've been in this um educate you and and it will help you educate your survivor to the point that they can be you know the best i version. just bought for father's day i bought greg um, luminosity which is brain games yeah i play games. those yes and i you know it's um it's good it's good for we do crossword puzzles together and stuff too but to keep his mind sharp something that he can do you know on his own to keep his mind sharp and and feel like he needs to feel good about himself mm-hmm. yeah I started, I don't know if you guys have heard of this game, but I'm obsessed with the board game, but I had, I ran out of people to play with me. So my, <laughs> my rehab team found, uh, Settlers of Catan. Have you guys heard of that one? No, Settlers of the Tan? Catan. Oh, Settlers of Catan? Yeah. So you can play it online. <laughs> oh, really? So, so it's a really good brain game because you have to have certain amount of cards to build, roads and then to build cities and then to build up and it's the first one to 10 points okay so I'll have to look at that that's what see and i always am looking for new apps i love it yeah it's awesome okay good that's good to know yeah we do we played um scrabble together for a long I love time that too. Yeah. with friends you know um i play kings in the corner he was actually taught kings in the corner the card game in his um from his speech therapist in their oh. survivor group Okay. So we would all play together. Well, you can get the app and play at Kings in the Corner, and um, which is a really fun game. I think Solitaire is a good game. He yes. enjoys that. And then these Luminosity games. I feel bad that they're um, not free, but we would like to, um, in, a, in Brainstorm for Brain Injury in our foundation, we would like to get to the point where we can give scholarships and help, you know, give people a year That's of a Luminosity idea. or something. Yeah. 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 I use these little, I use those too. I was using those daily because I used to have to send the results to my occupational therapist. Really? But I don't have to do that anymore, but I still like to play those from time to time because it's I know. nice. I think it's nice to look at my results from before and then look at them now and be like, okay, I'm not, I'm still not great, but <laughs> I'm a little better. <laughs> you're, see, the whole point is, is that you're improving, right? Yes. You're improving. And that is the whole point of brain injury is yes. that you can improve. Yeah. If you work at it, which is what you're doing. Yeah. Well, my math skills have, after the accident, went right down because I used to be an accountant and now can't do that anymore because of that. So, and sitting at the computer for a long period of time was difficult because I used to be on Excel all day long. Really? And so I knew that that was not a possibility for me anymore. So you, so you turned around and found other avenues. You found other things that would work for you, that would work in your life schooling that you could get through and something that you're passionate about at the same time. Yeah. After, after being through the system, I said they truly inspired me and I had to be that person and go give back and help other people who've gone through this. That, I think a lot of people must come out of it that way, feeling that way. I think that's so awesome, but I think it's, I just think it's seriously awesome. I hope you realize that Thank you, you you looked at an area that you struggled with now because of your brain injury and thought this may not be a possibility for me anymore. And instead of saying for me, I can't do this anymore. I went to school. I learned all this. I spent all this time. You said, I'm going to go learn something else. You did a workaround. You said, you know, really what it is is you're walking down a path and your path divides and, and you're not going this way anymore. So you go this way and you choose yeah. new things and you just chose new things that fit who you are now. Yeah. what your lifestyle is, what your personality is now, and what you have to work with. And that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That's really cool. Thanks. Um, can you name one thing that has helped you learn, or that all of this has helped you learn about yourself? You know, I've thought about this, and I thought at first, well, I think I've learned that I'm not as selfish as I thought I was because I'm Aww. trying to fix it. But you know what? It's really just the opposite. If I'm being honest, I think I learned how selfish I am. Okay. I, I think I learned that, and I'm working with that. I'm trying to embrace it and wrap my arms around it, that I think <laughs> I thought, well, my life's supposed to be like this, and, and he's supposed to provide this and this and this and this for me in my life. And I really had to take a look at that and think, that is, that's so selfish. And really, it, 
all of us really need to look at that and I mean look at just that scenario and just say we're responsible for our own happiness we're responsible for for what we want to accomplish in our life or do in our life and so it when I really thought about that question I thought I'm really unselfish and I thought no I'm not I'm selfish and I'm trying to learn not to be because um it's not all about me I married someone I took vows and I'm married to him and it's about us that's so, a, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. Look sure I'm to look at it that way. Good on you. You are an amazing lady. Man, I wish you were closer. <laughs> I wish you were closer cuz I would drag you around. You have no idea where I'd have you. <laughs> I'd still love to. <laughs> I know. I know. See, I could do it like I could do it like this. Yeah. yeah. We this might be the new way unfortunately. Yeah. Oh gosh, don't tell anybody. I know. I know. <laughs> has your opinion changed about the healthcare system and the rehab process? Yeah, dramatically. Like you and I had talked about before, I think, I think it's ludicrous um, that you're only allowed so many limited visits um, for therapy. And if you run out of those visits and you don't have money, you're not a person who has um, expendable income that you can't keep up those therapy appointments and they're crucial. Oh, a hundred percent crucial. So yeah. I, I, there's a, there's a huge flaw in that. So I, it, when I was doing the caregiver group and talking to people, I had to do a lot of research about some facilities that offer free, free physical therapy, free this, free that for people to go. Because um, like we said, there's a lot of people, they lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. You might lose your insurance but you've lost your job. You may get on Cobra or something like that. That'll help pay, but it only like, it's only pays a limited number. So it's like, we're, we're setting these people up to fail. And be in and huge debt, which is yes. another oh. stress to have to deal with on top okay. of that. Yeah, if they don't have enough anxiety, you know, that's another thing my husband does with the horrible anxiety. I mean, if you don't have enough, then yeah, you're racking up these, these medical bills. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, we're trying to, we're trying to figure out a better way and brainstorm. We're trying to help understand the system better and do a workaround and, and areas that we can help people that are not as costly, that are free, that are, we offer um, Q and A, you know, with our doctors so they can call in so they don't have to make a doctor appointment and call in about things. Um, it's, it's just listening to your, the way your health system is. I'm sorry, but I'm a little ambious. It's, um, we haven't quite figured out healthcare in this country and it's, it's too bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel bad for on our end here too. There's many people, unfortunately, especially now because insurance rules just changed. And fortunately they changed the rules. Ju- um, what was it? July 1st of 2016. And my accident was November 3rd, 2015. And I was told afterwards by my lawyers that they don't know if I would have been deemed catastrophic now with the new rules because of the way that I've recovered, which I said, it's so unfortunate because like you said, if you don't get the proper care rehab right away, then who knows what situation you'd be in. It's, uh, it's frightening. And there's a fine line. Oh, it, it's yeah. Fine. Much, much worse off. And plus, like we talked about the people that are um, living on the street, homeless people that have brain injury, people that are incarcerated with brain injury. Some of them may not have had an advocate or Mm -hmm. a caregiver and didn't get right out of the chute, didn't get the care or the help that they needed. And look where they've ended up. They've lost a job. They have no money. They have nowhere to live. They, if you know, it causes them to maybe some of them, they, you know, need drugs or pain. Yeah. Become addicted. I mean, they're it, the ramifications are just catastrophic Yeah, to not have, that kind of healthcare in place. And it's really too bad because I think if you have cancer, you know, your health, they don't say, well, you can only have three chemo treatments and you're done. I hope you can recover from that. No, no. Or heart disease. We're going to fix part of your heart, not the whole thing. And I, you know, I hope it mends together and you could, I just, I, I think as brain injury becomes more well-known and, and I hate to say it, but sexier, more aware mm-hmm. people will, they'll, they'll be more done about it, but I don't know how long that's going to take. And I, that's what we're trying to do is, is raise the awareness. We just need to be louder about it. <laughs> you know what? That's so true. I, it's so true. I could do that. I thought about <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of loud and outspoken anyway, but I, I thought I could go lobby for that. You know, we, we have a TBI fund in Utah that helps us 
with the Brain Injury Alliance funds for people to get assessments and, you know, those kind of things, you know, the people don't have money or a neuropsych eval, which is incredibly expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, if they don't have insurance, we can, we can pay for that, those kinds of things. But as far as long-term um, rehab, so they can become a functioning member of society again. Yes, so crucial. Right. And then, and then it just costs the government more money because they're taking care of them. They're yeah. on disability, they're, you know, it's kind of like they're shooting themselves in the foot. And I don't mean to blame them because I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, but it's a little frustrating having gone uh, through this for nine years. I can imagine. If you could leave us with one piece of advice, what would that be for other caregivers out there? For other caregivers? Um, don't feel bad about taking care of yourself. Do not feel guilty. Do not feel bad. If you need me to call you on the phone and yell at you, I would be happy to do that. It's imperative that you take care. If you, if you don't have the finances to go take classes or do those kinds of things, and especially during COVID, there's not a lot we can do. I, I was getting a little bit depressed a couple of years ago and I talked to my doctor and I, she said, are you walking? Are you doing any kind of exercise? I said, no. I said, I, I said, I really want to get a puppy, but Greg doesn't want one. Do you and she said, that would be great. Then you'd walk every day. I said, write me a prescription for a puppy. <laughs> well, she did. Aww. She wrote me a prescription. I came home. I showed it to him. I went out and got this little multi poo two years ago. I walk him religiously every day. Aww. Every day. And I'm telling you, just that cost me nothing. During COVID, I can do it. And there I, you go. And it, the endorphins that it releases, you know, more than, not to mention, we just love that dog. And, for, and Greg didn't want a dog. And they are so tight and so close. Aww little dog just sleeps with him every time everywhere he goes so um i got yeah, one too I, after mine i was recommended so i got my little bella and she's my little emotional support dog isn't that so cool it is you yeah. walker do you take your baby on walks and walk your dog i try to you as much as to. i can it's yeah. hard in the winter because i'm afraid of falling <laughs> it, it is hard in the winter i'm not very i'm not as good in the winter i'll, yes. I'll say that i'm not i'm trying to talk my husband into moving to a warmer climate but yeah. <laughs> But that, that might be better for him too, pain-wise. I, I think so too. I just haven't quite convinced him yet. He loves, <laughs> he loves our house. He loves where we are, but we're, I'm working on it. But I just, I, I really just think, please don't feel, feel guilty. If you need to have someone come in and stay with your survivor while you go out and get whatever it is you need, even if, even if you just want to walk around the mall, even if you just want to um, go have lunch with a friend, if you want to go out at night for a couple hours, if you feel bad about leaving, have someone come in and stay with them, but do it, do it, do it, yes. do it. And you will be, you'll be happier. Your survivor will be happier. Everyone's happier. Yes. And then it doesn't become a grudge. It becomes, it's, it's just more loving. If you're taking care of yourself, it feels, everything feels more loving. A hundred percent. Cause you have to look after you first before you can look after anybody else. Right. Yeah. I wanted to also touch on your website. So you're one of the founders of it. Is it? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So it's called Brainstorm for Brain Injury, right? Yes. yes. And we're, tr we're trying to help facilitate. So if someone has just come home, come home, comes home from the hospital, whether we're keeping it very simple, whether it's a survivor that's having a hard time reading um, or a caregiver, and they can jump on there and, and find resources that they didn't know they had yes. or ask questions. We, we want Q&A. We've also got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, but we want people to ask questions. Here's what I'm dealing with. Do you have any suggestions? Do you have any ideas? What? And we we just want to help do what we didn't get yes. as, as caregivers when we came out of the hospital. And as far as Dr. Judy Gooch is the visitress that's on um, this foundation with us, and she wants to help people navigate wow. this, this um, what they're going through in life and, and all the complications and everything that they have. We want to be able to help navigate, make it a smoother process instead of a try, fail, try, fail, you know? So, um, yes, I would love it if people would log on, watch us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and log on to our website and ask questions. And, and if you have stories, tell us yeah. your story, write a story and put it on there for others, that, things that you've learned. That you, so this is one way we were talking about giving back. You can help somebody yeah. else write your story and tell them what, some of the things that you've done and they'll go, Oh my gosh, I never thought of that. That's so, awesome. Yeah. We need to build a community. That's what I'm trying to do too. You, you really are. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. you so really, much. honestly, you have done this. Is, it's so great what you're doing and to have the guts to jump in and do podcasting is amazing. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm happy. I'm thrilled to know you. Well, thank and call you. you a friend. <laughs> yes, you too. It's yeah. been, thank you so much for letting me interview you and taking the time. Sorry, I took an hour of your time. <laughs> no, honey, it's okay. I'm in through As you've noticed, I can talk about it. I'm very passionate about it. So I, don't, I love it. I don't even that's, notice the time. That's awesome. So if anybody wants to contact you, how can they do so? Um, they can email me at Laura Nordfelt, which is L A U R A N O R D F E L T at me.com. Okay. Me.com. And um, so they could email if somebody really thinks, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I should give a cell number out, but I, if they'll contact me, I would love to chat with them on the phone. If they'll email me, email me first, you can also contact me through um, the brainstorm website. Okay. And if, if, if I, if we don't have the answer to a question, we'll find it. Love I'll find it. We'll find it. So yeah. I'll put, when I put your episode up, I'll put the website as well for brainstorm so that people can just if put the put link. my email and the website. Sure. Fantastic. Sure. Yep. And I'll put your Instagram too. So if people want to DM you or yeah. whatever too. Yeah. And we're, it's the same, it's called the same thing on Twitter. It's the same thing on Facebook. So and if you want to put Perfect. it in. Okay, okay. I will. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. This has been awesome. Thank you. Yes, honey. And has. I wish you all the best, especially you with your too. new little baby. You take good care Thank of you. Thank you. I will. Okay. okay. I will take care. Okay. And say hi to Greg. <laughs> I will. I will. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That wraps up another episode. Don't forget to give me a like and follow at and then it hit me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest podcasts and community conversation. If you found this podcast helpful, please be sure to share this with your family and friends. If you know of anyone who would like to be interviewed, who is a trauma survivor, caregiver, or medical professional with a similar story, please reach out. Thank you.